Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. You're here because you want to learn about how to live a healthier life, how to live more sustainably, how to take your everyday actions and make them work for you and the planet. Sometimes it might feel like you've got this figured out and other times you probably feel lost. That's why I'm here. Together, we will learn how to live happier, healthier lives without the need to be perfect and always allowing space for a little cluelessness on this journey to living a more conscious life. Today on the podcast, I talk to Miguel the Vegan. Miguel is a certified personal trainer and vegan nutritionist. He runs a successful online coaching business, and he's here to tell us how to train for optimal health. Here we go. This podcast is supported by Who Gives a Crap. Who Gives a Crap is an eco-friendly toilet paper company that donates 50% of its profits to help ensure everyone has access to clean water and a toilet within our lifetime. Who Gives a Crap has donated almost 8 million U.S. dollars to nonprofit organizations who help provide clean water and toilets all over the world. Who Gives a Crap is delivered straight to your door with carbon-neutral delivery. I love that it comes that way. I don't have to think about it. It's an automatic subscription, and I want you to try it. You can check out Who Gives a Crap and get $10 off your first order over $54 with the code CARLY10. That's C-A-R-L-Y-10, or check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Oh, thanks, Carly, for the for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. And uh, just a, a brief disclaimer that this is one of my very few podcasts I ever made before. So uh, apologies in, in advance. <laughs> no, it'll be great. It's just a conversation that happens to be recorded and shared. So it's all right. Um, the podcast is called Consciously Clueless. And that came from this idea of me realizing that this journey to like living a more healthy and more conscious life is also just full of being totally clueless along the way and everything in between. Um, so I like to start by asking guests, just like, where are you feeling today? Are you feeling more conscious? Are you feeling more clueless? Where's your head? I would say I'm constantly feeling more clueless because I think the the older we get and the more we learn, the more we realize how little we know. Uh, And there's always room for for improvement, always room for learning from from others, from digging deep into the research and learning more about your current industry, you know, expanding into other industries. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, if you were to ask my younger self would have said, Mm -hmm. you know, I know a lot, you know, I'm I'm, I'm an expert, but Mm -hmm. uh, I think the older we get, the more humble we become. Yes, or or at least hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, at least, yeah. That's a that's a great answer, and it's so interesting to see how many people uh, start to talk about having a shift later in life to being okay with being clueless. You know, like it it feels like a scary thing when you're younger. You're like, I have to know it all. I have to be that expert. But like you're saying, as you get older, you're like, no, I think it's good that I don't know some things, and I need to learn. Yeah, I think it's always good to know as much as possible in the industry that you're in, in your right. say, work, where, where, wherever you work. Um, and But there's always somebody who's going to be smarter than you or somebody who knows more in a specific area. You can always learn from, from them. And, um, and like I said, it's good to be at that point because if you go to somebody and they're telling you, no, 
you need to do X, Y, Z, and they don't tell you, but maybe that's not 100%, I'm not 100% sure, maybe to get a second opinion. Even when you go to, to the doctors, you know, which is supposedly an expert, they always encourage you to get a second opinion if it's a, if it's a good doctor or a good therapist or you know, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. So I think that's, you know, that's always something to, for everyone to aspire to, to become. Yeah, that's a really good point. So speaking of industries, on social media, you are Miguel the Vegan. Mm-hmm. That is that is what people will know you as. So I would love to dive into a little bit of your vegan journey. Uh, what was that process like? How did that happen? Uh, can you tell us a little bit? Yeah, of course. Yeah, on social media, Miguel the Vegan. But my name is Miguel Yaluridis. That's my Greek surname that most people won't be able to pronounce anyway. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, going back to my, my vegan journey, I would say, uh, you know, it all started around 2015, so seven years ago. And um, because I was always into the health and fitness uh, mm-hmm. aspect, and I was always interested in training and eating healthily. Of course, as I got older, the more interested I was I was getting into that. And uh, I was always following people on YouTube, you know, kind of let's, let's call them YouTubers who are kind of making videos of how to exercise, be strong, go go to the gym while eating a vegan diet and i started delving into that i watched the the cliche documentaries that everybody watched the cowspiracy uh, earthlings all those documentaries uh, and, and i think that that extrinsic let's say push um, mm. made me start to think on my own and start to just um, kind of distinguish uh, between what happens what, what what's on our plate versus what happens behind the scenes and uh, for me that it just never made sense from that point on to keep consuming animals i always thought if that xyz person can do it and they look healthy to me you know we might, we might as well give it a shot and mm-hmm. i always like to experiment uh, with, with my body in terms of the health and fitness again I tried kind of low carb diets and didn't work, didn't enjoy that. Uh, and then I, I thought to myself, let's try this since it has also let's say, subsequent positive and net uh, positive net effect on, right. on the animals, on the, on the environment. And um, but of course, I encourage everyone who wants to go vegan or, or tries to go vegan to always keep their blood tests to, to check their their, mm. their, just, uh, their blood every once in a while, every six months or every every year or so, so that they can check and make sure everything is going all right, because it does require a fair amount of research and, uh, and information around it. So, yeah, apart from that, uh, of course, in the beginning stages of my vegan journey, I made, let's call them mistakes, where mm. I was, you know, consuming some animal products either by accident or because I was just missing certain things or because of pressure from people around me, from my peers. Um, but slowly, slowly, I, I started you know, to realize that you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. So right. from that point there on, it was just easy to me to, to keep doing it because it was something that just resonated with me. So it sounds like your kind of initial interest was from health, but the health and then all the kind of environment, animal, all of it maybe is what together kind of pushed you to really make that decision. Is that right? Well, I never had any any issues in terms of any any chronic diseases or any any anything like that or issues with my cholesterol or, or blood pressure, which is I think a lot of people start from there. But yeah. for me, it was mostly the animals first, and okay. I just thought because this diet is kind of the most sustainable it looks like diet in the world right now, um, I might as well try it and then to see if I can uh, if I can if I can sustain it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think after after a while, of course, after researching, you know 
figuring out what foods I should be eating, what types of recipes I should be making to make the food taste actually good, uh, then it was just easy for me. So now that you transition to being vegan, you work as a coach to help others with nutrition. Were you doing that work before going vegan and then had to switch gears and make your coaching vegan or how did that work? So I started my coaching business after I went vegan. It was This was again a couple of years ago. Um, but before I was always interested in, again, health and fitness. I did my personal right. training certificate around that time when I also turned vegan. Mm. Um, but I never had to switch my my kind of coaching plan or ideology. But I do work with both vegan and vegan curious people as well, not just mm. purely with 100% vegans or people who follow a plant-based diet, for example. So if someone works with you, what is that experience like? What is working with you as, uh, are you labeled as a nutritionist? Are you a health coach? I know because in this, in the coaching world, myself included, there's so many different names and what does this person do? What does that title mean? So can you tell us a little bit about what your coaching looks like? So I like to have a holistic approach in my in my coaching um, and I'm a personal trainer, certified personal trainer, certified vegan nutritionist. Uh, that was an online diploma. I didn't go to university for either of those degrees. Mm-hmm. My personal trainer certificate, though, was uh, side by side with my business and management certificate in, in the UK, uh, business and management sorry, degree. So, um, uh, But I think all these labels or certificates, they are important to a certain degree, but then it all comes down to your experience and how good are you in terms of evolving mm. with what you do and catching up to speed with everything that's happening? Because there's always new information out. There's always new evidence, new studies coming out. Uh, so it's not just about certificates. But I just want to say that, yeah, personal trainer, nutritionist, and uh, what somebody can expect from working with me is, like I said, a holistic approach. I'm going to be diving deep into their workouts. So making sure they're training in the most optimal way, finding a way that suits their lifestyle and their goals. Then in terms of the nutrition plan, it's going to be, again, around their goals, around their dietary patterns, around the type of diet they would like to follow. Ideally, I would like all of my clients who aren't vegan to eventually go 100% plant-based right. at some point, some faster than others, of course. And But in addition to that, uh, of course, I like to have, uh, I like to talk a lot about the mindset around eating and building a healthy relationship around mm. food. Um, so having that it's a combination of those three uh, different things. I think that's so important, especially when talking to people about eating a plant-based diet or going vegan to continue to have a healthy relationship with food because it could start to feel really restricting. It could start to feel really controlling, especially if people have eating disorder stuff. So I love that that is included in what you work with people on. Yeah, I think if you just go have a quick look at my Instagram, you already understand the type of person I am and the things I promote let's say mm-hmm. uh, I'm not I'm not a fan of in the beginning I started just you know your your typical raw workout and meal plan via email there you go no uh, not nothing after that basically right. and I think that definitely doesn't work uh, unfortunately it was the norm a few years maybe a decade or ago uh, but now I'm, I'm glad to see more people are you know actually wanting to help people I think once you realize that this isn't about you and it's about them about the client that's when you can, you're going to find your way. But I think if you always have that in mind and um, focus on how to help people and you will find your own way and the ways uh, that, that you can help them. Mm, that's really nice. I feel like I needed to hear that personally. Thank you. Um, I'm curious, you said uh, a, a little while back about 
making sure people go get um, blood tests regularly because mm-hmm. things require some things require some research to be vegan, especially if you grew up with a standard Western diet, right? So I'm curious if if someone is interested in going vegan and they aren't going to necessarily work with a coach, how much research or how much do you kind of advise someone do of that work to get to know food in a different way? I think it depends how detailed that person wants to go. Uh, mm. And somebody might just think, I don't care. I just want to eat what I want to eat. Some people want to make sure their cholesterol is in check. Some people want to make sure they get enough B12 and they have right. a good amount of vitamin D in their blood. So it really depends. But if you want to go deep and you want to make sure everything is on point, first of all, you can never be 100% sure. You will just have to do your best and hope for the best. But um, uh, you know, I think you need to, first of all, understand the different food groups because oftentimes people just replace, not not replace, they remove the meat or they remove the dairy and they don't replace that with something else. So instead of having uh, chicken, rice and broccoli, they'll just have rice and broccoli or more of the rice and more of the broccoli. And then they wonder why they're hungry. (laughs) Yeah, that too, of course. So um, I I don't want to dive into the protein this discussion just uh, just just yet, but but yeah, it's it's it has to, has to be replaced. It's usually the the protein source though, because animal products are mostly high in protein: the dairy, the eggs, the meat, the fish, right. the poultry. So um, you need to understand the different food groups, and those are the beans, the whole grains, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds. If you comprise your entire diet or most of your meals around that those two different food groups, then the chances of you becoming nutrient deficient are much less uh, and it's mm-hmm. kind of less risky then there's a few supplements that you need to make sure you're, you're taking it's the vitamin b12 which is the first and foremost and after that then again it's debatable but i would say b12 is the the first you want to make sure you're you're getting enough of and as you were just saying because they, they feel hungry uh, i think if you are going to try to make a switch to a more whole foods type diet where you're prioritizing the least processed foods, for example, which is definitely a, a growing trend and it's a good growing trend, in my opinion. Uh, you're going to have to realize that you have to increase the volume of your meals or else you will not be feeling hungry. Because if we look at, you know, uh, I don't know eight ounces of steak and you compare that to eight, 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 eight ounces of chickpeas or, or cooked lentils, the calories are way more in the steak than they are in the chickpeas. So you have to make sure you're eating enough calories so that you, you, know, you can not go hungry, basically. Right. Right. Those are some of the, that's something I hear the most from people are like, yeah, I tried to go vegan once, but I was so hungry. And my first question is always like, did you replace the things you took out or did you just eat more rice and broccoli? And it's, it's a common misconception just because of our, our basic understanding of food again, in standard Western diet realm. I I think it it takes time to adjust to new norms and I mean, if we look at our generation, we are kind of reinventing uh, the whole nutrition and, and, and kitchen and cooking and recipes. But our parents or our grandparents, they grew up eating a certain way for several decades. So yeah. for them to go from eating chicken, rice and broccoli to, I don't know, seitan shawarma and tofu scramble, <laughs> that's, it, it, you know, we might be shooting for the stars there. So uh, I right. think... Um, I think there should be some generational shift and to understand that 
change takes time. A lot of people, I think, in the vegan, let's say, community expect that uh, eventually the whole world will be be vegan. I don't believe the whole world will be vegan one day. I think that's impossible. But uh, we we definitely are seeing that trend of people, a growing trend of people going more vegan and eating more plant-based. I have clients and had clients in their 50s, in their 60s. There, of course, will be a lot of people who are Mm. interested in different ages. But it's definitely more of a younger person thing, in my opinion, nowadays, more people in the 20s, in the 30s, in the 40s, somewhere around there. So I'm curious, speaking of the kind of difference in, in generation understandings about food or whatever it is, was there anybody in the last seven years close in your life, family members, friends that were like, what the hell are you doing, didn't understand or um, were maybe confused by this choice? Did you have any of that? I mean, in my immediate family, no. Uh, fortunately, I had uh, the privilege of having a family that's pretty understanding and supportive mm-hmm. of my choices always. Of course, there's always the, the typical questions, you know, just questions out of curiosity, but never out of judgment. Uh, but I did have uh, some cases with, with friends or colleagues in the past where they were, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say mocking me, but you know, judging you know, that mm-hmm. uh, what I'm doing is weird and not normal. Um, and uh, of course, you know, at first you might start feeling a bit aggressive uh, or, or start feeling defensive and you might fight back, which is, I think, a very normal human trait. When somebody attacks you, you, you fight back or you get defensive. Um, but I, don't, I think that the more you know and the, the, you know, the better your answers will be if you're just starting out and you don't have a clue about you know, anything and what has enough protein and how do you replace dairy milk and calcium and why cow's milk might not necessarily be the best thing for your bones. Instead, you should you could opt for the beans or the collard greens or the spinach. Right. So th- th- there's definitely a, a fair amount of research one needs to do so that they can have the best answer. But at the end yeah. of the day, you can always just say that you know it's just the way I choose to live. And that's it. You know that that should be enough at the end of the day. Did you go through? Because I fully believe now that there is potentially a angry vegan phase. Uh, I definitely went through it. I, for myself, I can speak at least that I just, when I finally did make the decision and I had dove in for health reasons first, and then it was the environment and the animals. And I was just like, oh, this is the best choice that we can be making. And then I was just pissed at anybody that wouldn't listen. And I was like, I have figured this out. Why isn't anyone listening? I look back now and I'm like, that's not a helpful strategy. And I see that, but it's a real thing when you feel like so many things you learned were totally shifted and you had to reevaluate that. Uh, did you go through any kind of like angry, angry vegan phase, air quotes? I mean, yeah, I think everybody goes through, through that stage in the, in the beginning because it's something that makes you passionate. It's uh, right. the same as somebody who is maybe religious. Uh, I'm not going to say necessarily it's the same thing, but it's, I think, pretty similar. And um, I, I've heard people say that, the vegans they met are aggressive or angry mm-hmm. and we, we do have that stereotype i think going on um but i think what a lot of people do is they call themselves vegans so i am vegan i am pescatarian i am a meat eater instead i think if we start thinking i follow a plant-based diet or i mm-hmm. practice veganism you start disassociating a bit because you're not just vegan. You're also doing podcasts and you're also an American and you're also, I don't know, liberal. You know, there's different mm-hmm. uh, things that you are and it's not just veganism. I think what happens is veganism consumes people's lives and they start identifying only as that, as, you know, there's nothing else happening. I'm vegan and then 
know, they start just focusing on on, on on that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you start being aggressive towards towards humans, then uh, that's you know something you need to definitely reevaluate. I think it's pretty common for a lot of vegans or people who follow, follow plant-based diet to love animals more than they do love humans, especially the humans who aren't vegans. And I think that's not the best approach. In my opinion, if somebody, you know, if you want, if you, if you want to be listened to, you have to be open-minded. And even though a lot of vegans think that, you know, we are open-minded because we're vegans, we're also pretty close-minded in other right. things. So if somebody's eating meat at our table, we should be open-minded enough to understand that there are different phases in their life that they might never go vegan, that, you know, they're just a different human being, not to be offended by it or start thinking of them as if they're a bad person. I have lots of people in my immediate family and most, most if not all my friends are not vegan and I would never mm. view them as bad people or never judge them for their choices. Yeah, I was, I've, I've talked about this before in the podcast, but in the beginning I was really looking for community and just to see more vegan people talking about being vegan. And this was a few years ago now. So I started joining a few like Facebook groups because, you know, Facebook groups still are, but they really were popular. And some of them I ended up having to leave because it was so harsh. And I understand where the anger comes from. It's all very valid. But it uh, there was one, I started getting messages from people because they thought I said something that was wrong. They, there was a question that went out and it was like, would you buy non-vegan food for a family member? I was like, yes, if I, if they needed food, I, I'm, I, I, I would do what I can to make it plant-based, but if they needed food or whatever, of course. And I got messages about how that was not veganism. I was not practicing. That was not right. And I, I just, I didn't engage because it didn't seem worth it, but those moments give that stereotype of the angry vegan, right? And that's really hard to balance because it's valid anger, but it's also not helping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I own two cats, uh, I mean, or they own me. You know, you can, you can also see that that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't feed them a vegan diet. Obviously, they're yeah. obligate carnivores. And while there might be some options in certain parts of the world uh, where they lab grown meat and it can be a vegan option for the cat here in Portugal there there isn't such a thing so I'm not going to order my food from somewhere I don't know from where and I don't know if that's going to work or if it's going to help them be healthy so I go and I buy the canned meat and I buy the fish for them and I feed them you know what they should be eating or there is this dog who uh, every time I go to the grocery store there is this dog in the parking lot who is just you know it's a stray and he's always there Walking around, he, he he looks a bit thin. I bought a bag of, of dry food, which is obviously not vegan, just to give him a bit. Like every time I go, I go to this grocery store pretty often, almost uh, twice, three times a week. So yeah, that's uh, maybe somebody would judge me to think that I I'm paying for something, you know, for an animal to be killed so I can feed another animal. Right. But again, there's different uh, point of views here, and everybody can see it the way they want to. And yeah, the last point I was just making is that we need to look outside the vegan community and to understand that there's also a world outside that and not just the vegan community. This podcast is sponsored by TerraSeed. TerraSeed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry, empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive 
vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win, win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at terraseed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. This podcast is supported by Parade Underwear. Parade believes that the materials that touch your skin should be as comfortable as possible wherever life takes you. That's why their styles come in a large range of fabrics from seamless universal that disappears under clothes to cozy waffles plush comfort that keep you comfy on every occasion. Parade understands that everyone deserves to express themselves however they choose because we're all unique. And Parade knows that there's no parade without our planet. They strive to make all of their products from reclaimed, recycled, responsible, renewable, or regenerative materials. This is really a win-win-win. I love Parade. I've been wearing them for a while now, and I can't recommend them enough. And of course, we love the mission. Use code consciously.carly for 20% off your first order. That's C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-L-Y dot C-A-R-L-Y, consciously.carly. Enjoy your new undies. Something that's really stuck with me since I started this podcast because an early guest said it, and it's such a simple phrase, but I think of it, I, I mean, probably daily is just that you can't be perfect in an imperfect world. And it's so simple, but it's such a good reminder that you can't be perfectly vegan, perfectly sustainable, perfectly eco-friendly, blah, 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 in a world that isn't set up for you to, to do so. So to not be to do the best you can, but to not be so hard on yourself that you make yourself yeah. miserable. Yeah, I think there is definitely a growing competition, I would say, between between maybe vegans or people in general where everybody's just trying to be better than each other. And I had many instances where I was, I don't know, posting my grocery haul, kind of, you know, healthy vegan grocery haul or whatever on, on Instagram. And I bought some fruit or vegetables in plastic and I would get these angry messages that, you know, uh, uh, what, what am I doing and why am I buying plastic or, uh, and, and these types of messages, but, uh, which oh, is wow. definitely shows you know, the, the kind of uh, competition, let's say, between people. Um, I'm, I'm curious for your experience in Portugal, because in the U.S., I would say that there is some toxic masculinity that is pretty common that then can sometimes play out when someone goes, a man goes vegan, you know, like soy boy and where do you get your protein? And um, men seem to deal with that in a different way in my experience and the stories I've heard because of the way masculinity is set up uh, in our world. So I'm curious what your experience is like in Portugal with that. Um, well, yeah. I never experienced any people h hating on me or, or attacking me or, any, or anything like that. But I do see a trend uh, every time you go out, for example, with my wife, because my wife isn't vegan, that when they bring the non-vegan dish mm. with the vegan dish, they always assume that she's the vegan and I am going to have, you know, the eggs, for example. So that's uh, definitely something that's the back of um, everyone, everyone's minds. Yeah, that is really interesting assumptions. But apart from that, yeah, I haven't 
I haven't ever experienced that. What I did experience is online, not social media, uh, where, where everybody sees a bit of everything on social media. Um, and I think, right. you know, I definitely can understand the people who, let's say, are hunting and killing their own meat. And they, they say, you know, I need to do this because I'm, I'm going to feed my family. Or uh, I understand these people more than those who, you know, I buy it at the, at the grocery store. And if that person tells me, you know, I'm less masculine, then it doesn't make any sense to me because you're not doing anything more, let's say, masculine, quote unquote, than me. You're also going to the grocery store, giving them your, right. your dollars and buying the chicken in the plastic. So it doesn't <laughs> mean you're doing something more just because of different foods that you're eating. But um, that's a good point, too, that especially buying just, you know, buying meat from the supermarket, like not much of a, not much of a, classic masculinity flex right that's not uh that's not that much more has it been difficult ever to navigate having a partner that isn't vegan is that something you've ever struggled with because i know a lot of people talk about like oh i could never date a non-vegan um or anything like that i don't subscribe to that i also live in a very small town so if that was that was my Mm -hmm. my rule (laughs) there would be there would be no options um but just in general, is that ever difficult to navigate? I think it, go, it goes back to what we were saying before about being more open-minded. Because if you just right. think that I, I'm, I can only be happy with somebody who is vegan, but what about all the other features of that person? Maybe that person is vegan, but they don't listen to you. They don't support you. They're, you know, it's not, you know, again, not only one feature. You can't just look at one feature of a person and determine if that person is good or right. not. So I mean, my wife is a wonderful person. She's amazing. She's always been supporting me. Uh, so I don't have anything negative, of course, to say about her. But what I have to say is that in the beginning of our relationship, also I was mm-hmm. more, it was the beginning stages of my also vegan journey. So I was a bit more passionate, let's say. About it. Oh, we did yeah. have a few light, I would say, arguments, but nothing too serious. Uh, but you know, the more we got to know each other, the more I understood that you know this is not important for me, for me to choose a partner, for me to love someone, for me to choose to have a family with someone. Just what they eat for me isn't as important. Somebody might think, you know, it's not just the food; it's also their ethics and their character. But I don't think you know, those are necessarily connected. I mean, she she is the one who brought two stray cats into our home. She cares about animals maybe more than me when they when she looks uh, outside mm-hmm. we were about to go on holidays two years ago uh, here in within Portugal and we found <laughs> that injured cat in front of our house she's the one who saw him she's the one who suggested we need to go to the vet and we canceled our holidays we went to the vet we did the surgery and now he's here at our, at our home you know for two and a half years so uh, you know I, I don't have anything negative to say about her and I don't see any struggles in my day-to-day life with her, if she calls me, you know, uh, because I'm I'm outside, and you know, can you bring some eggs? I'm gonna go and buy her eggs. You know, I don't have any issues with that. Right, right. I think that's a really um, good reminder that, and that's that's a good maybe response sometimes when people use that is just that practicing veganism is a different that language switch is important, right? It's, it's it does remind you that it's one thing about someone um, instead of making that your like whole personality. Because that does tend to happen. Yeah, I don't have anything against people who say that they want only they only want to date a vegan partner or they they only right. want to sit at the table and eat with other vegans. They can't use an oven which is used to cook chicken, you know, all those things. Uh, but for me that's not that's not the, that's not the way to be because then I think I would just forcefully surround myself only with vegans. I would start maybe looking at 
several family members, maybe my even you know my own mother or my own grandmother who brought me up, who gave me all this love, and I would look at her in a negative way just because she's not vegan. That for me doesn't make any sense. Uh, but I really respect and understand people who want to live their lives that way. I think it also gets for some people maybe are unaware of the privilege of those statements. Mm. Um, I, a few years ago was at eating at a restaurant and ordered the vegan option. I was on vacation and they accidentally put chicken in it and it was a total accident. And I took a bite or two. And then I think I got like a little piece and I, I really, I hadn't had meat in years. So it did like, well, uh, freak me out a little bit, but I knew it wasn't their fault. I told the waiter, he felt terrible. He gave me a free meal. Like it was, it was handled lovely. And I put that in my Instagram stories, just like, just a reminder, things happen. You know, I was sharing it from this, like, that was a really nice response. And I got this paragraph long response of someone telling me about how that's why they only will go to places that serve hundred percent vegan food, all these other things. And I'm like, that's a really privileged statement to make. There's not one restaurant within a hundred miles of me that is totally vegan. And so it's, that's impossible. And so I think it's a, it's a good reminder too, to kind of check ourselves with some of those statements and say that those things that I get to choose aren't always available for everyone else. And and I think that I'm pretty sure, even though I rarely met people that I've talked to online in real person, I'm 100% sure the way people are online is not the way they are in real life. I think online, everybody, as we we're saying before, is trying to be perfect, trying to portray that person maybe that they aspire to be. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure in real life, people aren't like this, or else we would have seen them in our day-to-day life. But nobody in our day-to-day life you know, stops and you know, tells you, oh, you should, do, you should do this or you should do that. And social media is a place of, uh, of, of free speech. That's why, you know, uh, we as content creators or anyone who wants to grow a social media following has to accept that they're going to receive these messages. And this is a completely different yeah. conversation, of course, uh, but I think it's important um, it, that we're not meant to be interacting with so many people at a given time. Because if you go out to, on the street, you're going out and walking to go grab a cup of coffee, you might meet one person that you know in the street and say hi, talk for five minutes and go to the coffee shop talk to the cashier, go back home. But on social media, somebody who has a big following, they might be receiving messages every five minutes. You know, And if you start reading those messages and start interacting or the comments, all these things, it's uh, it's not natural. It's not healthy. So I think those conversations, yeah. I try to you know, I try to respond to as many messages as I, as I can just because I think you know, I, I'm trying, just trying to help people. But of course, I'm going to stumble upon some messages that are just not relevant for me, not not necessary. And uh, it's just something that's, um, that's just, it's just how social media is, uh, but it's definitely not yeah. how real life is. Yeah. It's the game we play on social media a bit because I'm sure you would agree as a content creator, like social media can be such a cool place. You can meet and connect with so many people. It's how I started following you and was like, he'd be great on the podcast, you know, like that's the joy of social media. Yeah. And then there's always that flip side of the coin too, to deal with. And the way you talk about things and the way that you seem to have kind of arrived at the mindset that you're in, maybe I'm jumping here, but you seem pretty self-actualized. You seem like someone who really does the inner work. Is that something that's always been a part of who you are? Or is that something that came with kind of switching into focusing on health and wellness and stuff? Well, I have to attribute most of my 
my shift, let's say, like you were saying, thinking more inner work and all, and all of that uh, to my wife because she's a psychologist and she mm. introduced me to this mm. way of thinking into, you know, not just doing, but thinking before doing. And I always, I always viewed health as physical, so what you eat and how you move. But she introduced me to the aspect yeah. of the mental health, which I was never aware, never did any research before I met her. And I find myself now constantly thinking before I talk and being more mindful of things and uh, delving into the mental health, which is a huge new realm and one that I think is much less understood than the physical health or nutrition. Um, but um, it's definitely an important one. And uh, with the ever-growing social media and, and uh, with, with lots of things that are happening in the world right now, I think... A lot of people are struggling more. I think it's definitely apparent and obvious that a lot of people are struggling more with mental health than with uh, maybe and or physical, but mental health is definitely something that's on the rise and mental health issues are on the rise and things like anxiety or depression. So uh, I think it's important for us you know, who are coaches, let's say, who want to call ourselves health coaches because health, again, it's, it's a holistic mm -hmm. thing. It's not just work out and, and lift weights and, and, and eat your broccoli. It's also... How does does that person react to exercise? You know, what's their motivation behind it? Why are they doing it? You know, what's their ultimate goal in life? You know, are they happy doing this? So um, you know, that's also something I try to work on myself, and it's also part of maturing, of becoming older, and uh, expanding you know, our horizons and understanding a bit, things a bit better. That's a big thing that, as a part of my kind of coaching outline is. Um, why why do you want to make these changes what is what are your big motivating factors that you can lean on when it gets tough too um because you need those when it does feel like it's it's hard to make the changes that you know you want to make um so what are your what are some of your big whys in in why you continue to do this work why you put up with the social media trolls and and still make content you know like what are those motivating factors for you well, I'm not going to lie that you know money is one of those motivators. You know, I think everybody wants and needs to make money, or else you can, or else you can survive in this world. Hell yeah! Uh, but yeah, <laughs> money aside, which is always a byproduct, it's it's mostly about helping the most amount of people that I can, while also respecting my work because I could, of course, charge way less and have way more people. But then my quality quality of work would suffer, my personal life would suffer. Mm -hmm. So I, I always try to find that, that balance. But at the end of the day, it's about helping as many people as I possibly can. Uh, and uh, that's going to, of course, change from time to time based on the circumstances and, and how I deal with my business. But yeah, it's, it's it's a combination of helping as many people as I can, making some money while, I, while, I, while I'm at it because I'm full-time. I'm a full-time coach and a personal trainer. I don't do anything else uh, in my, my free time in terms of work. And um, and yeah, that, that also inner satisfaction, of course, you know, because uh, everybody who has an Instagram following or has their own business, they want to see those things grow. So it gives you satisfaction that you're you're actually doing something. You're actually this is actually working. Uh, so it's uh, it, it's a combination of of those three, I would say. Uh, what are some of your kind of like top vegan nutrition tips. We got into it a little bit earlier with, you know, I'm switching gears back to nutrition. Okay. We got into it a little earlier with if, with B12 and making sure we're kind of um, eating enough calories and stuff. But do you have any kind of like top vegan nutrition tips that you share with people that you can share with listeners? So my, my top one would be to eat enough. As you know, we discussed before, is to make sure you're eating more volume 
than you were used to before. If you go from eating bacon and eggs for breakfast, you can't just replace that with the same size of oats. You have to reintroduce more food and not to restrict yourself. I think now it's a, it's, it's, it's a definitely a growing trend of people on the keto diet or telling you that this specific food is bad for you. Soy is bad for you. Gluten is bad for you. Grains are bad for you. Seed oil are inflammatory. All these claims that are usually not backed by scientific evidence. So uh, that's the second thing is to make sure you're eating enough, not to not, not, not eat enough, sorry, make sure you're eating a variety of foods and not to restrict yourself, not to remove mm. certain food groups. You know, some people, you know, I don't know, not eat beans for whatever reason or not include nuts and seeds because they're afraid of the fats. No, you need everything. If you if you want to thrive, you have to eat a bit of everything. And uh, the third thing is, I would say the B12, again, because uh, nutrient deficiencies only start creeping up after decades of you being nutrient deficient. And with this case of B12, it might mm. be too late. It might be irreversible. So that's always something you need to make sure you're, you're getting enough of. And that goes in conjunction with doing your blood tests, checking just your iron levels, your ferritin levels, your calcium, vitamin D, omega-3, uh, cholesterol, blood pressure, all those things to make sure that, you know, ah, it seems like everything is going well. It, it means I'm doing this right because those things mm -hmm. will not show up on the surface. You have to check them or else, you know, you, you just can't feel cholesterol. I, I feel I have high cholesterol. Nobody says that. So it's good for you to check those things right. to make sure that everything is, 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 is in check. I didn't realize that it can take decades to feel the effect of being like B12 deficient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my, grand, my grandpa uh, had the B12 deficiency after, and they only discovered it after many years, and then it was too late for him to get enough of B12. So too late, what is what was he dealing with then because of that? I mean, no, I'm, I wasn't his doctor, so I can't say exactly what, you know, okay, I was just what exact issues he had, but I, I would say just usually fatigue and just feeling feeling tired, feeling feeling weak, and of course you can't get you know, strong doses of, of B12, like an injection of I don't know two thousand or four or five thousand micrograms all at once, uh, which can minimize maybe you know, the effects of what you're feeling. But yeah, again, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. What are your some of your go-to vegan meals that you come back to again and again? What are your favorites to make, or do you enjoy cooking? Because I didn't really enjoy cooking in to actually, until I became vegan, it made it more fun because I was learning uh, and, and wanted to. But do you enjoy that? I would say I started getting interested into, into in general cooking since I started getting into fitness. So in my late teenage years and mm -hmm. uh, a typical teenager or where I grew up or when I went to the army, you come you come back home and your mom cooks for you or your grandma cooks for you. And I was the type of, of mm -hmm. kid, kind of boy who was always cooking for myself. I was even cooking for my mom sometimes, for my sister. So um, I always was into cooking and now I'm still, of course, in, in, into cooking. Uh, I, I enjoy cooking. I cook every single day. Uh, I know some people like to meal prep on the weekends and eat the same thing Monday through Friday. That's that's not me. I want to have something fresh. I want to have a variety of foods. I want to learn, as you said, mm. how to cook new foods. I was interested in buying new products. And um, in terms of my staples, I would say oatmeal is something I have 99% uh, of the time for breakfast. And apart from that, it's always it, 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 it always varies. It can be a, a lentil stew or lentil curry. It can be a breakfast burrito with breakfast burrito with tofu scramble. It can be hummus because I I grew up in, in Cyprus, so it's Mediterranean type food. It's, it's what I definitely enjoy. It can be falafels. It can be wraps with seitan. 
So it, that, that will always vary. Mm. I always ask this question and it's like lunchtime here. And I'm like, yeah, that stew sounds good. <laughs> oh, you can always a lentil stew. find all, all those recipes on my, on my page anyway. Yeah, I was exploring that earlier today. I'm excited to try some of the recipes that you share. I'm really bad at seeing recipes on like Instagram that I want to try and then I save them and I don't go back to them. But when I was going through your page again, I was like, these are some of the ones I've saved and I need to try. So I will keep you posted on that for sure. Yeah, I'm exactly the same as you. I I save them and then they're just piling up there and I never actually check them. At the end of the day, I just do what I want on the spot or I just revert to previous recipes or yeah, it's uh, yeah. I have my staples that I just, I'm like, well, I know that's what I'll probably eat. It's easier when you don't have enough time to, you know, think and prepare. And one day I might might have kids and that's going to be even worse. So it's, it's good to have some some staples and just, you know, I think a lot of people have time to go through a recipe and look it up and then make sure, you know, sit there an hour or two cooking. I think, very few people, first of all, have the luxury and enjoy that too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I like to cook, but I don't, I'm not someone who like enjoys like two hours yeah. of cooking. That's too much for me. <laughs> yeah, same here. Same here. Um, this has been, this has been really fun uh, to chat and to learn more about what you do. Do you have anything to share with listeners that I haven't given you space to share? Mm. Well, I mean, Regarding my interests and uh, in my, my business, uh, it's it's like I was saying, it's training, nutrition, and the relationship with food part. I think those are three completely separate things, though. And uh, I think it's so it's mm. always difficult for anyone who has a business to, to find their niche if they are interested in multiple things. I find myself being interested in all the three. and uh, But lately, I decided to you know focus more on nutrition for example now i want to get i want to read more studies i want to understand more nutrition nutrition Mm. side of things and maybe not uh prioritize so much the mental health slash relationship with food uh, thing or the exercise physio anatomy exercise science and all all of that and just focus Mm. on the nutrition side uh, because i'm interested in all three but it's always difficult to navigate uh, all three at the same time to, to grow in all three at the same time and um, I think that's definitely something that's going to help you become an expert in your field is to find that specific field and stay on there as long as possible rather than jumping from one to another. Um, but of course, there's also people who are interested in multiple things at the same time. So you can always grow in multiple areas, just not as fast probably as you would have grown if you focused all your time and effort in one area. But for me, it's all those three. I don't know how it's going to be in the next years, but for now it's all those three and I'm going to be shifting from one to another as I go. I think that what you just said is good advice anyway in making changes, right? You know, when we're, when we're trying to make changes or at least for myself and and some, some others, people I know, when you're trying to make changes, oftentimes we get excited, especially when it's like the new year hits and everyone's going to like be a completely different person come January 1st. Uh, that there's just like, I'm going to have, I'm going to work on all 10 of these things that I've been needing to do, and I'm going to change them all at the same time. And that doesn't necessarily work. It can be really, really overwhelming to try and do that. So finding something to hone in on 
and and feel really solid in can be helpful in my experience to then making other changes. Yeah, I completely agree. And it, uh, I would say it, it also comes down to, not comes down to, sorry, it, it's also the same when it comes down to, to weight loss or any type of goal. Mm. And this is not my my saying, let's say, I've heard it from, from somebody else, but it definitely resonated and something I also practice with, with clients and with people that uh, try to help lose weight, for example, is not to focus on losing the, I don't know, 50 pounds that you might think you need to lose or the 20 pounds is to focus on that first pound. And once you've done that, focus on the second pound and then on the third pound. Because if you set yourself, you set yourself too high expectations or two things, like you were saying on the list, then you're just setting yourself to failure and to disappointment. Instead, focus on those short-term goals and those short-term wins, which might not seem or sound as fun or as exciting, but uh, that's how you just make progress. It's, it's little by little. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day and you also won't lose 20 pounds or 30 pounds in just a week or two. Yeah, 100%. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait to to share all of your knowledge with listeners and I hopefully look forward to continuing to connect with you in the future. Likewise, it's been a pleasure being here and uh, till next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, put it on social media. Don't forget to tag me. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, leave a review. Reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun. If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to consciouslycarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon. In 2016, Mint Mobile was born because its founders thought that Big Wireless was, well, dumb. So they decided it was time to create a smarter wireless company, one that extends its middle finger to conventional truths while also pointing out where Big Wireless is letting people down. They're online only. You can buy plans that are three month, six month, 12 month, no contracts, choose to stay as long as you want. There are no overages. There's no surprises. There's just no BS. And for someone who lives in a remote area like myself, I can attest to the fact that the service is great and I have truly had no problems and oftentimes is better than the big wireless companies I was with before. To find out more about how Mint Mobile can work for you, Hit the link in the show notes so they know that I sent you.